This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast. This is Chris Liss, hosting with Dalton Del Don. This podcast is sponsored by FanDuel. You can go to FanDuel.com, click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner, use my code RWPOD, sign up now. There's a special offer for new users. Get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $25 deposit. You must sign up with my promo code RWPOD. It's more than $60 in value for just $25. Don't forget to use my code RWPOD, FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. All right, Dalton. Well, I got a bunch of stuff to talk about. I don't want to get into politics that much uh, just today because I've been so enraged. I don't know what it is. Maybe because we're getting closer to California. Maybe because people are getting more annoying about it. But I find myself being so enraged. And what happens when I get enraged about it is I say things that are a little incoherent. And and then I have to edit. And it takes a long time to edit the podcast into what I actually – mean a hundred percent because it's very easy when you're enraged to just start <laughs> spouting things. And then you realize, well, those things were true in my mind, but you know, they're not going to be exactly true coming out of my mouth. And then you got to edit and it just becomes a whole long process with the podcast. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold off and maybe we'll just do like five minutes at the end. Yeah. You think by now you would be able to be cogent while you are enraged since you are so frequently in that state of mind. Yeah, it's like people are high all the time, right? They're just good at it after a while. Exactly. You know, exactly. they never get high during some very complex task with somebody who's a professional at it. You know, they'll be like, what are you doing? You, you know, not that I ever have. This is just hypothetical, of course. It's weird. I am usually enraged, but it's just, I think it's just the way in which the establishment and the mainstream media push buttons and try to finagle their way. Uh, into just the techniques they use are just so enraging. And I'm also the type of person that uh, maybe I'm just delusional about this, but I really feel like I spot bullshit very easily. I have a very good radar for what's just, who's a full of shit person. And I just know it. 
and other people are way less they don't either doesn't bother them or they're not as on the lookout for that and to me Hillary Clinton I just can't I I couldn't even conceive of voting for her I, I look at somebody like that and I just see evil lying false and I just it's to me it's just obvious um, and and to others it's not obvious they don't think that and I there's and so then and the way they go about everything it's just so insidious um, and and I just it just seems so fundamentally obvious to me but it that stuff worked did you see the movie election with uh, Reese Witherspoon yeah Alexander Payne's one of my favorite directors that's easily a top 10 if not top five comedy of all time okay so it's a comedy but it's also kind of a tragedy and Hillary Clinton is Tracy Flick and in those movies where there's someone like Tracy Flick who, like, everybody can't stand because they just show how driven she is to win. And it doesn't really – there's no it, – it doesn't matter what the merit is. It's just all about winning and, and getting into that position. And, and everybody I, – I think – I assume everybody doesn't like her. Like, that's the point of the movie. And you identify with Matthew Broderick who screws up. He gets so enraged. He, get, he can't stand her so much that he does something unethical. And I know blew- you really. I, I know you love the movie Sideways. You do realize that's the same guy, right? Same director. Okay, I didn't. I didn't. Same guy. Okay. Well, I love Sideways, and and I liked Election too. But or you know when you're watching um, any movie where there's the villain and the good guy, and you hate the villain, you're rooting for the good guy. The simplistic movies where the where the villain is some smarmy gets away with everything. Well, I like how you open this uh, podcast by saying you don't want to talk about politics and then follow that up with a five-minute spiel about politics. I, I think that's my uh, my favorite part of this whole – well, I personally was enraged after the Warriors uh, lost game one of the conference finals. You win 73 games all season to get home court, and poof, it's gone in a 12-minute quarter. Um, but since then, they came back, and they, they won game two. Um, the Giants – or San Francisco Giants are an eight-game winning streak, they, including going 7-0 and on the road. For the first time since 1913, hell, even the Sharks won tonight. They're up 2-1 in the conference finals, so it's a pretty good time for me. I'm not as enraged as a Barry sports fan, although I will say I'm still terrified of this Thunder team, and I'm kind of bracing okay. myself right. for, for a disaster here because they really have looked like the better team for the majority of this series so far, and I, I really am scared going back to Oklahoma City, and my elation will be short-lived here come the end of summer as the NFL win totals came out and the 49ers have the second lowest projected total at 5.5 wins. All right. I, I just, can, I, can I just table your cowardice and elation and dread uh, just for one more second? I just wanted to finish this last point, which was <laughs> – Please do. Please I just do. want to finish this last point, and it was that uh, – and we got this weird echo going on. Um, I hope it doesn't screw up everything. But um, – is that there's movie villains and you know Tracy Flick was one of them, but there's a movie villain where you, you've seen movies where the politician. I'm trying to think of a good example where there's like some politician who's evil and doing all the bad stuff, and the whole movie is based on that person's winning through some cheap manipulation and they get theirs. And to me, that is Hillary Clinton. It is the Democratic National Committee. It is. It's just that. It's just so obvious. It's the villain. It's subverting the interests of the people for these corporations and these moneyed interests. And it's presenting itself as if it's a force of good. And if you complain about it or say, these people are evil, what are you doing? They act like you're so angry. And they accuse the Sanders supporters in Nevada of getting violent. And then it showed on subsequent examination. There was no violence. There was, they showed a guy lifting a chair. He was moving a chair and he put it down. There was no violence. 
And but it doesn't matter. They just constantly are trying to bait you into it and cheaply manipulate people into thinking a certain thing. And you see it in movies all the time. And, and at least, you know, and, and the movies are designed that way and they're simplistic because they show you behind the scenes, oh, this person really is evil. They give you that backstory that I guess you don't get in real life. You don't really, although you do, I mean, go to YouTube and just Google, you know, Hillary Clinton's views on gay marriage and, oh, it's, it's this, now it's this, now it's this, no, and then denying that she ever had a different view. And this is the unhinged part where I'm going to have to, like, edit this down and, and delete stuff that I'm saying because it's, it's sounding like too much. But she is the evil movie villain. I mean, she just is. And Trump might be a different kind of villain, although I'm working on another uh, medium piece about Trump, uh, which is very different, which we won't get to this podcast because it's not done yet. But anyway, I know I'm just taking up all the time with this, but I just can't take it. It's like the evil movie villain is getting away with it. And I just cannot believe people who uh, purport to be progressives who know that Bernie's policies are way more progressive are actually arguing and justifying and supporting this. I just it just boggles my mind. I, I can't I just cannot believe it. I, I don't I just I just don't see why. I don't understand how people could be so easily fooled and manipulated. It just blows my mind, and it's just sending me into this rage all day. I got in this big argument with Paul Sporer over Julio Tehran for like the fifth time this year, and I don't even give a shit about Julio Tehran. I don't care. I like Paul Sporer. Paul Sporer is a good guy, but I got in this. I was just pissed about this Bernie stuff and this <laughs> Hillary Clinton, and so I'm just pissed. Like, if you're going to argue with me, you're going to get it. You know, I'm going to be enraged. I like it. You're projecting now comes to Julio Tehran. I like it. Do you watch House of Cards? No, but I, I've heard that the political establishment likes House of Cards because it makes the politicians seem diabolical and cunning, and they hate Veep because it makes them seem venal and ridiculous and pathetic. Well, yeah, Veep is a total satire. But, though. I, they're but not they don't like it here. because Veep, uh, you know, my guess is that Veep is probably truer, even though I haven't seen House of Cards. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's definitely some unrealistic stuff, but it's it's basically kind of what you're saying. Only the, I mean, the president is is an evil person, but he's also kind of the protagonist. You find yourself rooting for him, right. so it's a little, you know. So, but um, anyway, I, I would recommend it. It's some hit and miss seasons, but it's it's worth watching, and it's Netflix. You can binge it if you if you're into that sort of thing. But anyway, lists. I like. I always like a, prefer an enraged list than a calm one. Everybody so. does, and I don't know why. Everybody does, except Heather. Heather doesn't like it, but everybody on the radio <laughs> does. Poor Heather, yeah, that I, yeah, I do. She deals with I, it. All right, what, what is so, awesome fuck the Warriors. Who cares about that team? I hope they get swept. Well, it'll be tough to get swept since they when won. they already won a game. Now, like, you know, I'm actually rooting for the. Well, I was rooting for the Thunder a little bit, but truth is, I want to see a Warriors Cavs final because I want to see that Warriors team at full strength against the LeBron Love Irving team at full at full strength. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the Warriors' backlash. I mean, everyone's talked to him for now almost full two years, and, and Draymond's a little in your face and cocky. So I'm still, I'm not, I'm not surprised. If there's, you know, the backlash is going to start here soon. I mean, Curry's so lovable, but he's a little cocky at times too. So I, I could understand people at this point rooting against them. You know, cockiness isn't a problem. I mean, if you're that great at basketball, you should have a little swagger. And I mean, LeBron is cocky too. Yes, <laughs> I, don't, I never, I wouldn't hold that against them. I actually like the Warriors. I just, I, I just like narratives to be upended. I think it's just the contrarian. It just makes it more fun to watch the uh, to watch the finals. I think it's going to be a terrific finals, regardless who comes out of the West. I mean, the Cavs are going to enter twelve and zero with historic type offensive production, albeit against really poor competition. Actually, I saw something where they ranked like third 
even opponent adjusted, according to some metrics, their offense so far in the postseason. So they are no pushover. They've, they've been clicking since the final 20 games. And either the Thunder or the Warriors, I think that's going to be a, a hell of a series as well. Let's say you're drafting a team to win a championship from scratch, and it's just for next year. Who's your first pick? Um, just for next year, um, man, it's, it's a you tough a, question. You get a million dollars. Yeah, I mean, or a billion dollars, whatever. I mean, don't don't get Homer on me. There's a re, you gotta you, there's a reward. You got to get the right player. I mean, because he's a two. That's so tough. Probably LeBron. But, I mean, Curry would be a close second. Right. I mean, I think I would draft LeBron. I, I wonder if you polled that on Twitter, what it would be. I bet most people would go with LeBron. Yeah, I mean, probably rightfully so. I mean, Just I, for I one said, year. I mean, obviously LeBron's yeah. older. Yeah. The other, I, I actually don't want – I think the Cavs are going to win, but that will be LeBron's third, and you and I have that over-under of three and a half. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. I hope – I mean, obviously I'm rooting for the Warriors, but, um, yeah, that, so if they face the Thunder, I, I got to become a James fan. Exactly. So you think – so you would take the Cavs over either opponent? I think so. I mean, I'm – yeah, I th- I'm going to say the Cavs are going to win. I, look, I don't know shit. I haven't really followed it, so I'm just talking shit. But to me, LeBron's the best player in the world, and now he has legit support, and I think it's going to be very different than it was last year, and he's going to be oh, able to operate in a way that he just wasn't last year. Yeah, it's definitely going to be very different. So, all right, let's talk a little baseball. Um, right. you, you were on the show today, and we were talking about how bad Yasiel Puig's been. And you and I have both been not only recommending him, but drafting him on our own teams. Yes, we do get high on our own supply. We're not one of those, you know, we don't recommend somebody to not draft him. And you look at the steamer projections, they have him kind of just where he is. Uh, I haven't looked what he's done tonight. I know he was like 0 for 1, but I didn't follow up on it. But I kind of think Puig is going to... Damn, what the hell just happened? I was playing Erickson in a head-to-head fan duel, and he just passed me. What did, who, who did well for him? Oh, Beltron must have gone deep. Uh, all right, I'm going to owe him five bucks. Anyway, uh, I was winning the whole time, and he just passed me. But uh, anyway, we're looking at the steamer projections, and Puig, uh, for rest of the season, Woba, weighted on base average, is 20th, which is basically what he was before the season. So his projection hasn't changed. And I'm starting to think it's, – it's so funny because I've kind of come full circle. Like I used to think you just buy low on any kind of star that's struggling and don't even think about it. And then I would do that. And then for a while I thought, no, you know, this guy's skills are slipping. Let's look at his strikeout rate and all this other stuff. And now I'm back to just buy low on anybody who's struggling because – and I talked about this with Jeff on the air – that players are not – they're not particles. They're waves. You know, they're not just here's the guy – and now after this month interval, we can say, or month and a half, you know, he's this new uh, Stratomatic card that's only worth this. And so he's not worth it anymore. I just think that the guys are just a rotating set of cards um, and that if they're in a slump, then they really are truly terrible. And all those terrible metrics that show you they're terrible are accurate for that period of time. But part of who these guys are is when they do make adjustments and get in a crazy hot streak, which everybody does, they're, you know, they, they then start to even it out. And the sum total of all that is obviously the end-of-the-year stats. But there's really no reason, barring old age or an injury, to think that a guy that is in his prime is done or is not going to bounce back. Yeah, I mean, he had five walks in his first six games, and he's had two walks since. So, I mean, you look under the hood, and um, it's like, okay, well, of course there are going to be stats suggesting he's been, quote-unquote, unlucky, because anyone batting 234 is going to have poor-looking numbers, underlying stats. But at the same time, he last I checked, he led 
Major League Baseball in pop-up percentage. Now, is that bad luck or is that just well, – No, no. I'm not <laughs> saying it's bad luck though. I see. I'm saying something else. I'm saying – I'm not saying that the guy sucked because he was unlucky and he's going to get – you know, that luck is going to revert. I'm saying he sucked because he was really bad. Right, 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 right. Meaning right. not he was unlucky. Like he popped up. He struck out. He swung at bad pitches. Right. He did not hit the ball hard. Everything that constitutes being a bad hitter, he was for that period of time. Yes. And then he adjusts, and he's no longer that bad hitter. And it's got nothing to do – it doesn't matter what you find under the hood. You could find a bunch of chickens under the hood. It doesn't make a difference. I don't know why I thought of that. But you could find anything under the hood. It, does, it, you're, it doesn't matter because a month later, it's a whole different engine. Yeah, on April 15th, he was batting 366 with an OPS over 1,000. So he was a really good player for the first two weeks of the year. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just – it's um, it's tough. I wish I had an answer. Um, he's – he obviously built like a guy that should show more power. He's a highlight reel with the throws from the outfield, gunning people down, um, seemingly a better clubhouse guy, whatever that matters, and apparently not much. Um, no, so no, Never does that matter. I mean, so I don't know what to make. I mean, I uh, he would be a true buy lowest right now. I mean, even if, if I was a big believer before the season and I'm pretty fed up, I mean, he's batting eight. Trace Thompson, Clay's little brother, is – batting terrific this year and it quietly has an OPS like in like above 900 in his career, brief career, but it's approaching 200, 250 at bats now. I mean, he might be out of a job if Ethier comes back eventually. I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't think so. And I expect it to turn around, but I mean, it's pretty discouraging with, with Puig so far. That is the risk, right? It's not that he, I I'm positive he's going to bounce back, but he's not going to bounce back on the bench. And I honestly, I don't know if he has options. I assume he still has options, minor league options, but send him down for a couple weeks. You know, I mean, don't bench him. There's no point in that. If, if, you, if, he's, if you think he's in a rut that he just cannot get out of, send him down to AAA, let him crush it for two weeks, call right. him back up. I mean, honestly, if he has options, that's not the worst thing in the world. Totally. Um, I have another guy. Are you done with Quee? Because I have sure. a specific guy I want to ask you about, which is a similar, really, really a bottom of the barrel right now, and it's Matt Harvey. Um, tonight he got annihilated by, um, it was supposed to be the Harvey Strasburg matchup and the Nationals won nine to one. Now I was watching this game and there was a play in the inning when they scored a bunch of runs. I think it was a second and it's dribble Cabrera booted a would be double play ball and it's ruled in air. And that's why three of the runs were unearned. But, uh, the, this, this, the box score just can never assume a double play. Right. So that screwed him. That screwed him another out. But having said that, we're looking at a guy with now a season ERA, of 5.77, a whip of 1.66, his velocity is down on his fastball and his slider. But having said that, you know, 43 strikeouts, 15 walks, and, and 48 innings isn't bad. 11.2 swinging strike percentage. Um, this is a guy, speaking of under the hood stats, his Babbitt right now is a 385 updated after today's game. 385. His soft hit percentage on the year is 24%. That means he's inducing weak contact 24% of the time. That ranks 12th best in baseball. His career Babbitt is 285. That's a whole 100 points higher, and he's inducing weak contact and, and producing as many swing and misses as he normally does. And now the Mets are saying his next start isn't guaranteed. What do you make of him? I mean, the stats you point out are good because they show it really looks like bad luck. But, I mean, when does an ace ever have a 380 Babbitt? And obviously the answer is never because you can't have a good ERA with 380 BABIP. But have you ever seen an ace 
in every other respect except that kind of BABIP. When you're getting 380, usually you're getting crushed, but he's got a high – what's his hard hit rate though? Because the problem with hard, medium, and soft is that there's just a cutoff point. So let's say he's got like this really good soft contact rate, but I don't know what the mile per hour, but let's say 60 to 75 is soft, and he's got like a ton of 74s or something like that, right? So they're like under the cutoff, but they're not the real dribblers. You see what I'm saying with the, the, the soft, medium, hard? It's not a real perfect stat because it, it just – it's sort of selective endpoints. I do understand. I do see. Okay, so he's at 28.8% is hard contact percentage, which is 63rd. So 62 pitchers have a higher hard hit. Uh, I guess, I mean, he's not getting drilled then. How many home runs has he given up? He's given up five. Uh, so not an inordinate amount of home runs, not getting hit that hard. Usually when a guy gives up a lot of home runs and the bat bip is bad, then I worry more if he's not giving up home runs, but it's just bat bip and there's a lot of soft contact. I don't know, yeah, but the velocity is bad. The velocity is bad. That's, yep. that's, that's a red flag. You see what R- Bryce Harper said about him? Bryce Harper uh, broke a streak tonight of the longest active uh, player without a hit to open it. He was 0 for 21 against Harvey, and then he roped a single tonight. But no, what did he say? He's, someone asked Harper if he saw anything different with Harvey. He said, yeah, 91 to 93 instead of 97, 98. He said, I think that goes back to he had surgery last year. He says he feels bad for him. The guy works his tail off. They worked out together. Uh, and he said a lot of nice things about him, and he's a, a, a good guy and works his ass off. But God, the surgery was two years ago, though. I mean, he pitched all of last year coming back from Tommy John. Did he have some minor thing? He didn't have anything in the offseason? No, not that I – I mean, not nothing. clean up or anything? Yeah, no, I didn't no. – you know, it's weird. I, I don't have him anywhere, and it's funny because I want to take credit for that. But, you know, I've got Puig everywhere. I've got Buxton. I've got – Michael Brantley, I blame Stefania Bell. I blame Drew the air, too. I want to circle but, back to that, but go ahead. Keep going. But, but the point is – it's just so funny how sure I was about so many things, and some of them are very wrong. And then you you start to say, well, I was didn't want Harvey, so was I right or was I lucky? Probably lucky. But the weird thing about him that I didn't like was his agent was, like, bitching about the innings, and it was this public thing. And I just thought, this is not good. Like, it's not that – maybe he got overworked last year too quickly from the Tommy John. Um, he threw, like, 230 innings, you know, including the playoffs. So maybe that's what's slowing him down. But – like, they got to work that shit out behind the scenes before the season starts. You can't have your agent and the team pu- getting this thing in public, and you're, like, in the middle of it. Are you shutting it down when the team has a chance to make the World Series and to play he the did, World Series? He did, though. To his credit, he did pitch in the postseason. But I He hear did, but, like, that maybe was the wrong thing. I mean, maybe they should have shut it down in the middle of the season for a while or, or spaced him out more. Right. Because right. it was this thing where it was a public issue. And then what, you can't win as a player when that happens. It's either you're the you're a coward, you're not, you're not trying for the team, but then, you know, it's your career and, and your earning potential for the rest of your life. And just the way that was playing out in the press, I thought it was really bad. And I, I don't know, it just seemed like it just seems like those guys who handle their business right. Like it just doesn't you don't get in that situation. Oh, so it I sounds like mentally, I don't know. Maybe I may, you know, maybe it's just a coincidence. It sounds like he's also very Hollywood and interested in off the field stuff. But I just didn't really let that, you know, factor into my ranking of him or whatever. But there are there are a lot of rumors that he cares more about that, that off field stuff than. And say team Although Harper said culture. Harper was saying the opposite. Maybe they're just friends, so he's talking him up. But he said he was busting his ass working out with Harper. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Well. Okay. So what do you make? I mean, is he a buy lowest? I mean, are you officially? Yeah, worried? he's a buy lowest as long as he's not hurt. I mean, really. I'm just trying to think. A couple of tr- trades I've made that win leagues. It's buying a guy that's like on the last legs who has skills, and that the guy who's got him because people, it's it's just. I don't want to go back to politics again, but people just think of things. They're so 
binary in their thinking. They think that, okay, well, it's over now because she's probably going to win. So it's over. They don't just think, well, let's play it out. They, they just, it's got to be, they've got to like have a ratchet that goes yes or no. And I think with the player that's a star, they keep thinking he's going to bounce back. He's going to bounce back. But there's a certain point at which they just start to think he's never going to bounce back. And once that switch flips, that's when you buy. Because it's never really over until it's over, right? Until the guy's out for the year or he's hurt or he's demoted permanently, it's not over. And so, but I think at a certain point, the switch flips. And, and maybe after tonight's start, the Harvey switch has flipped. And the people who own him are like, I don't think he's going to bounce back. Yeah, it looks like his left on base percentage is, is way down there. Bottom five in baseball, huh? I, I'm, I'm. The more I'm looking at this, I'm, I'm thinking he's he's a, a guy to target. Actually, he's, point you might be able to get sixty five cents or something. You know, you know, trade something sixty five cents to get him back to where compared to where he went. I think I don't know. Is, is he is he a top twenty fantasy starter on your board right now? If he drafted top twenty five, top thirty, what? Probably like thirty ish. Okay, all right. See, so you've definitely discounted. I mean, you. So this is a real a real concern. Yeah, I, I think you may be able to get, you know, I, I think you may be able to get a more discount than that. Even, I mean, you might okay. buy him as somebody may just think this guy's done. And I want to, you know, let's say you're in a 15 team mix league, right? right? You may be able to get someone like Matt Harvey for, I'm trying to think of just like a, a mid-level guy that, that you can trade him for, you know, Jaime Garcia or, you know, someone like, you know, Matt holiday, you know, I'm just throwing out names, but right. someone who's right. useful yeah, I, I would be targeting Puig, Justin Upton, Harvey, all those guys. And you know, I'd say you know, if, you, if, you, if you list like eight of them, Carlos Gomez is another one who's hurt now, uh, but I would target him too. I, I'd say probably if, you, if there are eight of them, six of them will, will bounce back to some decent level and two of them are – there's going to be an injury that they can't recover from. Yeah, those are the two by Lois right there. Um, Upton, I forget the exact stat, but um, uh, I think I heard Brandon Funson say it on, on, on a Yahoo podcast, and I looked it up. I couldn't believe it. He – He's gone, I believe, two games this season without a strikeout. Yeah, that's not good. But three, okay, th- three games, three games. How great! Three games in which he has not K'd, and he's played every game, I think, or, or close to it. Yeah, it, it's just weird because we're always looking to the past to predict the future, but it's assuming that the guy in the past is the same guy as the future. And as I said, like these players change who they are when they make an adjustment. And they're not the same guy. So, so the uglier the stats, the better, right? right but then right. sometimes the guy's so broken, either the team gives up on him or he's just lost so much confidence or he's hurt or something we don't know about. We, you know, if, if there's a reason he's striking out, like he's actually nursing an injury and he's just his bat just can't come around quickly enough, right. you find it at the end of the year and then you're pissed that you try to buy him. But right. for the most part, if it's just an adjustment, he's going to get out of it. Because the fantasy owners we play with are mostly savvy, so it's not like – looking at the guys with the really low Babbitts and the high home under fly yeah. ball ratios and being like, man, he's been really unlucky. His ERA should be much lower. I'm going to try to buy low on him. No, no, no. The real buy low are the guys with the ugly, even peripherals. You know, the guys that look, like we said, they Justin Upton striking out every other bad. And, and um, well, I guess Harvey's peripherals aren't that bad. But, you know, the low velocity and, and stuff like that, that's the guys you can truly get a discount on. Yeah. And, and I think the whole luck thing is, is overrated. Like the – there's not hear, that much luck. You know, that, that kind of thing is so rare where it's just luck. I mean, sometimes you'll see a guy getting drilled. You'll see Michael Pineda, and you'll be like, wow, look how unlucky he was. What great strikeout-to-walk ratio. And it's not luck. He just gets hit hard. It's not that, – yeah. that, whole, that whole era of, look, let's just find the guy who's been super unlucky and buy him. That, that – I don't know if that ever made sense. No, no, no. I think Babbitt's being getting mostly, well, not totally disproved, but it's definitely needs to be taken with a grain of salt for sure. 
I mean, you're the one that sent that article around, right, where they said that scientific things that seem scientifically solid uh, 10 years later could not be replicated. Right. There were, like, experiments done. Some, some of them were medical, you know, drugs that seemed to treat a certain condition. This is a great drug. It gets green-lighted. People are buying it. It's a billion-dollar profit. And then 10 years later, it's like the thing doesn't even work. Right. This isn't quite analogous, but um, two John Olivers ago, did you see his, uh, his you know, his 15-minute segment on studies? No, what is that? What was it? Just just ripping apart uh, how ridiculous. You should just not trust, like, you know, if you read a, read certain studies in your local news, it's just such bullshit most of the time. And, and funded by people, like, there was one study, I mean, this is obviously absurd, but one was, like, trying to say that um, you being dehydrated and, and not drinking uh, any liquids has, is, is you as impaired driving as if you were drunk. And it was later found, like, funded by you know, like a water company or British water company or right. something. Just, but <laughs> right. those are just, that, that's obvious. You, you'd have to have half a brain to not believe that. But, but even ones that you, well, I believe like, that oh. if you're, if you're dehydrated enough, what, what, what like, is it? If you were dehydrated enough, like, let's say I, you should do this experiment. Like don't drink water for about 48 hours and okay. then get, get in your car. See how you feel. Okay. Fair enough. Trust me, but, but after 48 hours of not drinking a drop of water, you'll be worse off. <laughs> I don't know about worse off. Um, but you should you should YouTube that uh, segment. It's definitely worth wa- worth watching. Because there's other ones that are more interesting, like that people fall for. Wow, that's really you know changing well, your I, diet dietary habits and stuff. But well, but just mostly studies. Seriously, just don't take them serious. It, it's a it's it's a lot of bullshit. And don't take everything at face value. You know, I, I know a lot about nutrition. I've done a lot of research on it. I'm pretty up on things. And it's so annoying because the New York Times, which has just been such an annoying newspaper this election season. It's just, it's pathetic. And then the coverage on the DFS we talked about was just pathetic. But they always have some nutrition columnist who writes about something that I knew 10 years ago already and that she's not even, she's not even covering it to the degree that it deserves coverage or she's only just barely touching it and she has some wrong information in it. And it's like, how could you be so backwards? There's people still living in the 1980s paradigm of, Eat plenty of sugar, just don't eat fats of any kind. And they're crazy unhealthy. Yeah. And, but, and, but that was the uh, nutritional wisdom in the 80s. And there's people, you know, Heather's friends, oh, no, I, don't, I want non-fat yogurt, non-fat this. Like, you're crazy. The, the fat is the only part that's good for you. The sugar is what's killing you. But you're still living on nutritional information from 30 years ago. It's amazing. And then the New York Times writes something, and it's totally wrong. And you think, you're the New York Times, my friend who... Smokes. Well, I don't think he smokes weed every day anymore. He used to, and he's into a lot of you know Chinese medicine and other stuff. He knows a lot about nutrition, and he taught me a lot of things. And it's just funny that like that dude. I'm I'm learning stuff that he was researching 15 years you know 15 years ago, and then the paper of record is they're still living in the dark ages. I, how do they hire these people? It's amazing. Does it get you enraged? It gets me a little enraged, but not as much as their political coverage. I wanted to ask you real quick, um, uh, uh, not to throw Stefania Bell under the bus because she really is great. And I, um, uh, I even uh, listened to her on her podcast. She appears on on the XM show, and, and Lord knows I got plenty wrong. I, just, I was high on Matt Harvey just for one. But I just bring it up because you kept going nuts and nuts about how Brantley is going to be fine because you've been assured this. So I just wanted to know, going back in the DL with the same problem and being terrible before it, did you give her a proper amount of shit for that? I gave her a decent amount of shit, and I've been doing it. I subtweeted her. She called me out for that because Glenn Colton was asking, 
He's saying we were talking about my uh, one of my oh, passive aggressive. Come on. Well, man. I said I said well, Buxton's on me. That was my gamble. It hasn't yet panned out. Although I do think he'll be back soon. And now he's got a back injury. That guy's so broken. That's the problem with him. But he should be back soon. He's hitting well in the minors. And then you know Cameron Maben, who's now finally back. But I bought him injured. Supposed to miss three weeks. Then gets hit on the wrist during a rehab start. That was just bad luck. Love him. Three steals in three games. Yeah, first three games. He's going to be helpful. And then, and these are A-only leagues. I got him for seven bucks in one. It's still going to be worth it, but I, you know, would have liked to get him back a couple weeks earlier. And then the third one was Brantley, who's, I said, uh, you know, that's on somebody that we both know. And of course, Stefani <laughs> follows us both. So she saw me subtweeting, talking Yang about her, and then tried <laughs> to have words with me on the show about it. And she assured me that this is not, you know, this is an injury from which people recover fully and, and play at full capacity. And she was wrong about that. And so she's now revised her timetable. And I said, over, under for when he's truly himself. And I said, is it June 1st, July 1st, or never? Because never sometimes happens. But she said July 1st. And I thought, okay, well, I got him at a discount. If I get him for half a year at full capacity, maybe something for a couple of weeks in June. And I got a lot of Jose Ramirez, who's the one getting playing time. And instead, it's not a killer, right? I got him late. I got him in the 8-9 turn in the main event. You know, there's, it's not going to destroy my season. But yeah, I mean, it was bad. Um, she's not perfect. She doesn't have a crystal ball. She's, she of course, of course, she she, course. she was helpful for a couple guys. She I, I didn't buy stakes one year because I drafted Maurice Jones Drew coming off a knee surgery and he led the league in rushing. That was from her. Um, but she's usually pretty good. But she got this one wrong. And and also, uh, it's not like she has the actual X-ray in, in front of her. Well, no, you know? I mean, she she made a call. She's seen those kind of injuries. In her defense, if it's say, let's say eighty percent of the time that's the case, and she's going to feel good about it, then you know the twenty percent that doesn't happen. But yeah, I blame her a little bit. But ultimately, I, no, 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 I wasn't even. Ultimately, I, mean, she, I, no, I know you're trying to throw her under the bus and make her look bad. Uh, yeah, I know no, you don't I like her. Do. You have an agenda here. But I, I'm <laughs> just saying, I'm. I blame her a little bit, but you know, it's my call. I understand no one's perfect, so um, I blame her like maybe ninety six percent and me four percent. You know who's going nuts also getting a playing time thanks to his uh, injury is Raja Davis has four homers and 10 steals and like 120 at-bats. Yeah, it's annoying. I had him in a lot of places last year, and this year he seems to be doing so well. I mean, the steals are not any fluke. They just didn't run that much last year. Right. The Tigers just don't run. Now, this guy is a 50-steal guy every year. The, the homers are a little fluky, but it's just a few home runs. So, And he is good against lefties. Yeah, no, definitely. How you been doing at DFS, by the way? Uh, kind of break even. It was funny. I was down to my last three bucks, and I, I, I you know, I, I don't like to deposit. Right? I like to withdraw, obviously. But I, I basically, I lost that, or I had a crappy lineup. But in the early game, I, I played a two dollar lineup with like some bonus points. You get points after a while, and you can use those to play. And I took turned. It was a five hundred person tournament. I took third, and I mean, it was forty five bucks. I won for my two bucks. So then I was back. Nice. And then I'm got I. I'm cashing now. I don't. I got to look at this. I, I don't think I'm going to make real money tonight. I think I'm going to break even. I don't know who cares. No one cares about this. Twenty-one dollars, and I've got twenty dollars and eighty-three cents in winnings. So I've lost seventeen cents tonight. It's really exciting stuff. It's not. You know, the thing is, it's not the money. I'm, I'm basically break even. You know, pretty much for my lifetime. I have a spreadsheet, but I also include like fantasy leagues and everything with it. So I haven't just isolated DFS. I did last year. I played for the whole year, and I ended up winning like hundred twenty bucks over the year. And I, in basketball, I was winning. I probably lost a hundred bucks in basketball, but I could figure it out. It's the time, you know. That's really the cost. It, you you end up. Right. I, I think I'm good enough that I can break even with the rake. I don't think I'm good enough. I mean, I don't know if I'm good enough to really win any real money. I need to win one of these. I only play large tournaments, 
So I need to win a large tournament because the, the way it works in these FanDuel contests is, and they're sponsoring this podcast, and I'm just going to say this, you get this rake, which is like 15%, okay? You get a little bit back from like the bonuses and stuff, but not much. So, so, you're, so you know, your $100 comes in, 85 comes out. And then uh, the first in these big tournaments with like 50,000 people, the first five or 10, I'm going to go look this up right now as we're talking, gets such a large portion of it. So there's 125,000 in prizes total, say, for the contest. And let's say the top 10 get at 16, 19, 21, 25, 26,000 of it for like the top 10. Right, so basically, about twenty percent of it is the top ten. Another fifteen percent is rake. So, if you think about it, it's if you don't finish in the top ten, you're putting a hundred dollars to get sixty-five back. Right. So the only way you over the long haul you can really win is you got to have a big score because you can't you can't win on the min caches because the min caches only count for sixty-five percent. Not even min, but like a hundred dollars here. I've gotten a hundred, a hundred fifty on three bucks or two bucks before, but I haven't had the major score. Last year I put I was playing twenty five dollar contests because I put a thousand in, and I made seven fifty on one of them. But that's not a huge score for twenty five. But I've never won like a multi thousand dollar score. I've never even won a thousand dollar score. And so if you never win a big score, it, it just it's just very hard. And if you only play large tournaments like I do, because I don't give a shit that much about the head to heads. Maybe I'll I should play like fifty or hundred dollar ones and care about them. Um, you you need to win big, and I just haven't hit it because it's just there's. You know, there's 10 out of 50,000 people to get it. Right. No, no, no. I, I understand exactly your strategy. Maybe maybe I could see doing, like, uh, what you're doing and then also maybe, like, a $25 double up or something, you know, with yeah, the same lineup. Yeah, I could see doing that. Maybe. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is I could play head-to-heads or double ups a little bit more. And, yeah, I mean, you, you probably, you know, that that's a way to do it. And that way you don't have to win some huge long shot to win. And if you talk to a lot of the guys who do it, they say you build your bankroll in the double ups. And you take some shots, but I'm the opposite. I just play only tournaments because I've yeah. had that thrill where I've had a team in third place overall, and it's winning, you know, five grand or whatever it is for the not even five, more like a thousand for like, you know, and it's pretty late. You know, it's like nine thirty Pacific time, and I, I've got a thousand dollar lineup for my two bucks, and I'm like, let's do it. You know, one more home run here, and maybe I win this whole thing or stay. But what inevitably happens is guys in the late, have players going to the late games, and I start moving down. And by the end, I finished like 140th, and I win like 75 bucks or something. Yeah, even if I were just concentrated on cash games and head-to-head or double-ups or 50-50s, I couldn't not see um, if I were to play, of course, um, throwing a, like a $3 on a tournament. Because what if your lineup balls on a head-to-head, you know? I mean, you'd just be so yeah, you mad. Can't. That's the problem. That's the other problem is, right? Any sort of head-to-head or tournament, you've got to put that lineup in a, in a large tournament just in case. Yeah, I mean, exactly. in a double-up or head-to-head, because you can't – if you get 280 points and a double up, you'll kill yourself. You'd be upset that you won. <laughs> you'd, you'd be like, this is a $15,000 lineup that I got $50 for. Exactly. You know, and so, yeah, that, that is the issue. Um, I just, yeah, I just want to win. I'm just, as I said, I just am sick and tired of not winning life-changing money for $2 entries. It's just oh, annoying. I'd be fed up by now. It's, you've been doing it a whole year and a half. I spend so much time on it, too. <laughs> like, I, I just, here, here's the other thing, though, too, that I like about tournaments is tournaments don't take any time to set. Because you're just like, I'll stack these four guys and boom. You just make them real fast. Because you're not really trying to be precise. You're just trying to be aggressive. You're just trying to say. you're not worried about your floor. Yeah, exactly. You're not like, "Eh, I don't know, you know, this guy. But the head-to-heads, especially if you start playing 50 bucks or $100 ones, you start to agonize over the, you start to agonize over each guy, right? Each guy's got to get a minimum of like nine points because 
You just need yeah. production from everybody. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, he's lefty-righty, but, yeah, I don't know, he's struggled the last couple of years. You just go crazy. Whereas the, you, don't worry, you don't have to worry about floor. Setting lineups is way easier. Definitely. I mean, I'm just noticing that Rajah Davis was picked up tonight by Gray and Rasball and friends and family at like 6.15. I would have snagged him, but our, we're, our battle's pretty epic. You're in fifth. I'm in seventh place. We're within six points of each other. Yeah, but Both of our teams struggling. You're in big trouble. My team is not, in, my team is not struggling. My team is doing very well. I, I don't know if you realize this, but I'm in whatever place I'm in. But that includes the fact that I'm way down in innings, which I will make up for sure. So, like, I'm going to be first in wins and Ks. I'm way first in Ks. And today I had another big day, so I think I'm in fourth place actually now. So, yeah, well, well, I have I – have, you're in trouble because I have Matt Harvey to go along with Adam Wainwright and, and, and D, D Gordon. So And, and Fweed. And Fweed. That's ugly. Yeah. I, it's so funny because my team – like, Miguel Cabrera has not been very good. That was my first pick. But I got Sale in the second round, Bumgarner in the third – and then Sano's been terrible in the fourth. But I got Trumbo late and Trevor Story late. And those are the guys that are carrying me, Trumbo and Trevor Story. I mean, those guys are monsters. Yeah, I have a guy to, to bring up um, real quick. Um, I just wrote about him, led with him in my most MLB notes column. Uh, David Ortiz is basically a, a top 10 fantasy player this season. And in our midseason mock draft, which you joined us, Yahoo guys, uh, he went like at the end of the sixth round, and this was just last week. What, what are we just, I mean, I know he's 40 years old, but I, the, the whole second half last year, he was amazing. Are we just biased because he's old and, you know, and, and he's actually eligible at first base, but, you know, a DH, like, why is he not getting treated as, as one of the best hitters in the game? I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think he's a 35 homer guy. I, the batting average is not sustainable, in my opinion. He's probably 35 homers, 275 batting average. Um, good RBIs. He's slow, so slow. He's never. He's not going to score a lot of runs. So he's going to score like Not seventy. Only good RBIs though. With this, with this, this. Yeah, uh, cool. he'll have a lot of RBIs for sure. He's worth. You know, as a DH only, he's worth a little less. But in a as a first base eligible player, he's he, he belongs probably in like the third or fourth round, right? I mean, he's a he's okay. a legit thirty five homer guy without a bad batting average. Yeah. No, I agree. He should have went like the third round for some. Yeah, I mean, fourth, I passed on him maybe fourth too. round. You know, I mean, it's like Miguel Sano went later, too, though. He slipped. I know his batting average is a lot worse now, but I probably project those guys kind of similarly the rest of the way. Sano and yeah, well, I mean, Ortiz. Sano was off to a terrible start, and Ortiz was off to a fantastic start, dating, and he was awesome the second half last year. And yeah. I don't know. He's currently on pace to have the best age 40 season ever. I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I would fade it. Obviously, he's not going to do what he's doing, but he was a monster in the second half last year, and it's not like he's not been a top, 20 pure hitter in baseball most seasons. I mean, it's not like he's really fallen exactly. off. No, exactly. Like, he had, like, one bad first half or something, and I think a lot of people just mentally wrote him off. Um, you know, it's just like old guys, the way he's uh, built, you know. Just, but he, yeah, They were calling him Mo Vaughn in 2009, and now it's 2016, and he's raking. Right. It's amazing. Right. In 2009, they were like, this guy's done. Yeah, so, um, so since last year's All-Star break, uh, this is when I wrote this article, so beginning of this week, he has 32 homers and 98 RBI in 362 at bats. Yeah, is that good? <laughs> that's that's not bad. That, that that'll work. Well, I think the guys, the two leaders in home runs over the last since like August 1st are Chris Davis, like both, both Chris, Chris Davis, Davis? Yeah, Chris that, Davis, and Chris that, Davis. Yeah, that's crazy. That, that that's crazy. It doesn't really matter well, which one you get. 
Did you have him in DFS the other night? The the A's. No, I didn't get the free homer game. No, that'd have been pretty sick. A walk off grand slam. Yeah, that's nice. And it never happens to me. You know, it's like I've I've been close. I've been at the cash, the high cash level, and my guy comes up with the bases loaded or two men on, and he gets a two one count or something, and I'm like, do it. You know, come on, give me the huge money, and it just never happens. It's gonna happen. You know, it's just like I'm gambling. It's it's like playing with fire, playing with matches. If you do it too much, you're gonna get burnt. You're gonna start a fire. If you keep playing these things, one of these times I'm going to get lucky and hit a big score. It's just got to happen eventually. Problem is I'm moving to Berlin in two months, and I won't be able to play there. So i got to make it happen soon. Oh, that's right. You can't play there, huh? No. I mean, it'll be probably good for me. It's going to be tough because in the winter it gets dark at like 3. It's north of London, actually, Berlin. So it's going to get dark at like 3, and it's cold. So I'm going to be indoors a lot more. And I won't have DFS. So I might be like writing and stuff. I don't mean just writing for work. I mean beyond right. that, like doing something. Because I'm going to have to do indoor stuff there. Write a book. I, I like a book, maybe it's more like blogging and columns and stuff. Because um, beyond just sports. Because you got to do something with your time, right? And here, the problem with LA is during the day, especially when you work from home, it's like a beautiful day and you're sitting here working and you're like, what the hell am I doing with myself? Especially when you're from New York and you're used to a lot of bad weather. And when it was a nice day out, it's like an obligation to get out outside. Otherwise you're not living your life. And so you got that programmed into you and then you're in LA and then it screws you up because you're like, what every day you're supposed to be outside. It seems like, and then it's just hard. You know, that sounds like in, a bad problem as you, it sounds like a bad problem. It is it's it's tough stuff. Right. So, so then and I will pray for you. you start, you start, you start to work more at night because you're only, you know, when it's dark out, Plus, then when you have a kid, like that whole like evening time is totally chaotic, as you know. And then at night, you finally have time to work, so you start staying up late, and then you're tired, and it's this cycle. Yeah. But in Germany, it's like there's nothing else to do but work. It's going to be, I mean, in the winter at least, it's going to be dark and it's going to be cold, and I'm just going to sit in the house and do shit. When I was a senior in high school, I visited some relatives uh, in Switzerland, and the one part of the trip I remember is when I was in uh, Germany, I was fed horse. Yeah. <laughs> How was that? It's considered a delicacy, and I believe it was a little undercooked um, for my liking, at least as a 17-year-old version of me, and I didn't realize what I was eating until afterward. But um, I remember it being okay, but I'm not sure I would have thought the same if I'd known what I was eating at the time. But, um, yeah, so, 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 so see if they serve that there. I'm, I'm guessing that you'll be at least offered it. In Berlin, I doubt it. You were probably in some, like, redneck part of it. <laughs> I don't know. My, my relatives were trying, to, trying to, to show us a good time, and Switzerland was – Pretty nice, but maybe, maybe. I don't know. Like I said, they considered it a delicacy as far, as far as I can remember. All right, what do you want to talk some politics? Are we done? I got a, cool, a quick fun fact for you. Since, uh, since Sunday, guess how many innings the Giants' bullpen have, have pitched? And, and it's effectively Friday right now. Okay, because Bumgarner pitched a complete game. Cueto had a great game. Um, I'm going to say zero. Oh, well, now you're not I'm a dick. That's just being a dick. Yeah. That's being a dick. I'll say uh, five. Yeah. Santiago Casilla pitched one inning tonight to close the to close out the game, and that was it. That one was innings it. of no, total. Okay, one innings, okay, but good. Zero is just being a dick. It's just like ruining, Sunday, ruining the joy that you would take. And one inning, and it happened tonight to close the game in the ninth inning. Yeah, well, that's the Padres. The DFS yeah. thing. I mean, I don't know why I overthink it, and I do sometimes. I did have Sale and Strasburg in a few, and they did well. I tried to use Waka in a couple. Samarja so was a good play tonight. It's just Padres and Braves, right? It's just Padres and Braves. That's it. Just chase the, just go against those teams. It just seems so easy. 
Yeah, definitely. I recommended Liriano the other night in my call. Oh, yeah, I used him, and he got. You know what else? You know, uh, on Rotowire, you know, we. I don't know if you ever look at the. Uh, yes, I've seen it. Yes, I looked at Daily it. Daily yes. page is really good, right? Well, yeah, we have um, umpires now. Umpire stats. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, they just added that. that. And so at the uh, Liriano um, Tehran game, it was an umpire well, that was who's double over. Whammy for you, you use Liriano, and your 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 nemesis Tehran dealt. Yeah, it was his first win of the year. But <laughs> of course, it's first of like five that I'll have at the end of the year. But you, you looked at the game, the over under was whatever. It was like seven and a half or seven or something like that. But the ump over under, they show the over under of his runs was really low. It was like seven. Uh, and so I was like, all right, not only do they get the Braves, but this is a, a ump with a wide strike zone. And yeah, Liriano uh, just did not have it. Yeah, I mean, Liriano had been obviously really bad this year, but his home numbers were, were great. He'd only allowed one earned run all year at home entering, uh, entering that game. So I thought maybe that would be a difference too. But, but yeah, it didn't turn out too great. But, um, yeah, the Braves' offense is just just an absolute joke. Last I checked, they had like nine team homers. The next lowest had 29. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to break the control. record. All right, man, you got something else? Or I, I'm done with the politics. I told all you. Right, I, I'm, I'm good. I, think the we're politics. All... I just, I just got to say – if you're in California, do not listen to the propaganda that it's over. Vote for Bernie. See if he wins California. Still think she could get indicted. I'm not, I'm not giving up. I'm not done. All right. Well, I got nothing else. We're approaching an hour. I recommend the new Radiohead album. It's excellent. Um, I heard a few have... songs on the radio. I thought it was good, but I, didn't, I haven't yeah. like, gone through. You, you own it. You've gone through the whole thing. I, I own it. I happily give my money to Radiohead. I, I purchased it legally online, and it's um, it's fantastic, and I recommend it. And uh, keep uh, everyone keep your thoughts with the dubs um, for my well-being. Sunday night, it's crazy. The Cavs of the Eastern Conference Finals play two games in between the, uh, the, the, the Thunder Warriors. They play, what, uh, not until Sunday night. But um, keep good thoughts for them Just, it, for, for no other reason for my, my well-being and my daughters as well. Of course, of course. All right, man. We will talk to you next week. All right, later, Liz. That's Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Sports. This podcast is sponsored by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com, click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner, use my code RWPOD, sign up now. Special offer for new users. Get a free six-month RotoWire subscription, $25 deposit. You must sign up with my promo code RWPOD. It's more than $60 in value for just $25. Don't forget to use my code RWPOD. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season, F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13.